Welcome to Hearth and Soul. I'm your host, Angela Torres Kukyun. I'm a foodie, food nerd, opera singer, and the food manager and preservation queen at Spoken, a cafe in the Ravenswood neighborhood of Chicago. I have extensive experience in food service, and I think I have this sort of passion that sits within me, and the more I learn, the more I want to share. And people started asking me questions, and the more questions I answered, the more I realized that maybe I should put it down for others that don't know me and can't ask me in person. You're listening to episode three. Just a few housekeeping things at the beginning here. Um, I want to talk to you all real quick about the sugar issue that's happening in the Everglades right now. Um, Basically, the environmental rollbacks that have taken place in our administration mean that certain sugar companies can now dump into uh, the waterways in the Everglades. Um, And this is currently causing... It's not causing red tide. Red tide is a natural phenomenon that happens um, at certain times of the year, but it is causing red tide to become a big problem. So this algae is growing and causing all sorts of issues and wildlife is dying um, in numbers that should not be. Um, And this is happening because of the dumping from these companies. So just to put this out there, if uh, I think that this is probably going to air... quite a few weeks after it's been recorded but still if you're interested in you know using your dollar to vote against this sort of thing um stay away from companies u.s sugar and florida crystals those are the two big ones right now that i am aware of um that are doing a lot of this uh this dumping and it's perfectly legal right now so they're not doing anything illegal um but that's kind of the problem is that it is it's legal and it shouldn't be. So um, vote with your dollar. Let them know that this is not really something that we as food people are cool with. Moving on, I have a new little segment I'd like to add. This is a wine report. So recently I I got a voucher for this company called Naked Wines. Um, it came in with an order from another company um, and it was, a voucher for $100 off of my first order. And I thought, well, geez, I could probably get a lot of wine for $100. So I go to the website and I, I peruse it a bit. It's sort of like a subscription kind of thing. Only you don't, you can make a purchase without being a subscriber right away. You get put on this waiting list and then they tell you when you can be a subscriber, but you can back out of that if you want to. So you're not locked into anything. But the voucher was for $100 off an order of $160 or more. So I bought their best of case. And I think I spent 80 bucks for a whole case of wine. And it's all wines from these very small independent wineries. Um, A lot of them are in California. Basically, winemakers that can't are so new and so small that they're not they don't quite have a foothold in the market yet. Um, So they make very small batches, very special batches. um, And this is how they're able to sell them. The subscriptions help them help finance their operations. And then the subscribers get, and and new customers obviously with vouchers get, can purchase these wines. So I uh, opened one the other night and it was a Pinot Noir from a small winery called Cat 2 as in cat tattoo. Um, And I drank it with our guest today, Amanda Neal. Hi. Um, And we're just going to say what we think about it. 
And then you guys can all look for it if it sounds interesting. Um, I thought it was really nice. I thought it was really sort of a smooth drinking wine. It was really kind of light, mm-hmm. not too heavy, um, not super dry, like easy to drink. Would you oh, agree for with sure. that? For sure. I, I'm a big fan of Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my go-to if I if I don't know what it is. <laughs> like, oh, there's too much to choose from. I'll just grab a Pinot Noir. Right, yeah. And I usually go for cheap Pinot Noirs. Yeah, well, that's... Which is... Legit, I mean... Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's. <laughs> I love Trader Joe's. But, but yeah, that Catu Pinot Noir was just so easy to drink. I was like, I could easily drink a bottle of this. I know, right? I was really glad that I had you there with me because <laughs> I could have easily drank the entire bottle myself. Oh, it's so tasty. I had opened it the night before you came, and I had had, like, one glass. Mm-hmm. But I, I limited myself to one glass just because I was having a steak, and I wanted wine with my steak. But Gotta have wine with your steak. I, yeah, I was I was impressed. I was pleasantly surprised by this cat too that I've never heard of before. Um, and where did you, where did we say it was from? Uh, oh, where did, did we they... write that down? I think I have it here. So it's actually from um, Acampo, California, which is not far from where I grew up, um, like 20 minutes south of my parents' house in Elk Grove, California. That's crazy. So did you have any idea that there were like tiny wineries in that area? Actually, I I didn't know there were wineries down there. Um, There's actually a winery, a bunch of wineries, like pretty much due west of where I grew up um, in this little area called the Pocket. It's all River Delta. Oh. Super fertile soil. It's all farms and orchards and just gorgeousness. Wow. And there's there's a winery out there my mom is a member of and she gets her cases every it's like every quarter or something. There's something about like being a member of a winery or a wine club and getting a case of wine. Like I've never purchased an entire case of wine for myself before, but I felt super, super fancy. Yeah. When it arrived. And it came in like, that was what was really cool is I ordered it and it arrived within like four days. Nice. Yeah. And they just like, and it, the way that they packaged it was really great. So they had, it's, you know, it's in a box, but they have this like, I don't want to call it styrofoam because it's not. It was like that recycled pressed board stuff. Mm-hmm. But they had made the special mold to fit the bottles of wine in. And then they made another mold that sat like in between the bottles. And then there's another one that sits on top. Oh, cool. So it's like they're not going anywhere and totally immobile in this regular box. But the box had handles, which was really nice. Mm-hmm. So it was easy to get to my car. It wasn't so easy to haul up the stairs to my apartment but you know oh yeah yeah (laughs) it's a little heavy but it was worth it it was worth it um so yeah i'm gonna be doing these wine reports i think until i run out of wine until this case is done (laughs) so the next 12 episodes at least um and just so all of bucks though for 12 bottles right it's such a great deal So. so yeah um I might actually, I haven't decided yet if I'm going to stay, like, as a subscriber when my turn is up. Like, they put you on a waiting list and then they let you know, like, you're about to be, a, they call them angels. You're about <laughs> to be an angel. 
So, but that Why? gives you time to like go in and like take your name off the list if you don't want to be a subscriber. Because yeah. um, it is 40 bucks a month. Right, right. Like automatically deducted. But that 40 bucks builds up in an account for you to purchase wine with. So like I ah. could save up, you know, three, four months worth of deductions from my account and then buy a whole nother case of wine. I don't know. We'll see. I haven't decided if I'm going to keep it or not, if that's something I can budget in, but... I really like it so far. I like having a whole case of wine in my house. (laughs) (laughs) I feel fancy. (laughs) So uh, just so the listeners know, um, these wine reports are not going to be super, like, fussy. Um, I'm really just about, like, stuff that you like, stuff that we like, stuff that tastes good, stuff that's enjoyable. Like, Like I said, I love Trader Joe's. I am not opposed to Three Buck Chuck once in a while. If it's a nice table wine, I'm not super stuffy about it um the next episode is it next one or two episodes down um i'm gonna have ian back and he might get a little uh he warned me he might get a little insufferable about his wine report but you know (laughs) he's he's a booze guy so that's fine um so yeah that's we really liked catu pinot noir delicious um that being said now um amanda why don't you just give yourself a quick introduction like let folks know who you are Ooh, who am i um <laughs> all, i'm amanda i'm a performer um mostly a singer in chicago i'm also a voice teacher and a cosplayer and uh yeah awesome um main points right <laughs> yeah that's great i i wanted to bring amanda on today because we're going to talk about um what it feels like to grow up in a am i going to say this right in a multicultural home yeah let's put it that way so for listeners who don't know i am half venezuelan um and half not just you know <laughs> I, we don't really have like a american i guess we're american um <laughs> and amanda you are half filipino and half black correct with some other stuff with some other sprinkled stuff, in there, right? But yeah, that's um, the main. But with family that grew up in Hawaii, so you've got that mm-hmm. awesome culture as well. Yeah, my dad grew up in Hawaii in the 60s and 70s. Oh my god, I bet that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I've never been to Hawaii. I just dream about Hawaii someday. Oh my gosh, I'm going in September. <sighs> Take me with you. <laughs> I can fit in your suitcase, I swear. Absolutely. <laughs> um, So... We will, this episode will cover topics of food, but first let's get into like, let's just, let's just dig right in. Let's just hit it hard. So I get a lot of, when you are someone who grew up in a house that's two strong, distinct cultural influences, you never quite feel like you're one or the other because you're both, Mm -hmm. or you feel like you're in between the two, right? So it's this weird, like... I feel like it's a very sort of special identity to have, but let's talk about the shit people ask us or tell us about who we are, right? So, like, you're not really Hispanic, are you? Because for people who don't know me listening, I am very white. (laughs) I am very, and I am well aware of how white I am and the privilege that comes with that. I am very, very white, but I am, I am Hispanic. But people don't often believe me. I actually had somebody laugh at me once. It was like, <laughs> no, you're not. Ooh. And I was like, I, why would I Why would I make that up? Why would I joke about that? 
like for do you, real like do you not know my last name um so i mean that's what's some of the shit that like oh all the time i get uh well you don't look asian uh, or what does that mean are you sure you're black are you, like am i sure are you am sure? I sure like you don't know who you are <laughs> what is that what is that like i don't have these curls springing out of my head like i don't have this melanin <laughs> well and and that's i guess that's part of it for me too because i'm white like mm-hmm. like i said i'm very white so i don't have any of my father's coloring my sister doesn't either we're both you know very white passing i guess you'd call us um but we've also been told by venezuelan culture that we're not quite venezuelan enough because we didn't grow up in the country we didn't we don't speak fluent spanish like i get that all the time i don't speak tagalog besides like cussing and food (laughs) so like my you know some of my you know even family members will be Mm -hmm. like Oh, well, you don't speak Tagalog. You're not really Filipino. I'm like, all right, but let me let me tell you about some <laughs> some right? food here. Right. Let me tell you about you know the songs I know, the experiences I've had. Like, you can't take it away from me. Right. Right. Exactly. But there's just something about how people will deny your very identity when it's like staring them in the face. That's amazing when you are multiracial, multicultural. Well, and it's like they can't put you in one specific box. So therefore, you must not have a box. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's like checking off the boxes on those like official forms and documents, you know, like when they used to ask, I don't do they even still do this or maybe it's optional. Yeah. But like for census and stuff like that, they ask you like what ethnicity do you identify with and sometimes you're not there you're not listed yeah like do i list myself as white caucasian or do i list myself as hispanic because technically i'm both right so do you list yourself as asian do you list yourself as african-american you know like it 2020 census we're looking at you yeah yeah hello hello (laughs) pay attention because i i honestly think that what was the idea of making not just this country, but, you know, the idea of immigration everywhere, what is such a beautiful idea is that all of these different peoples are mixing together. Yeah. You know, it's becoming more melded, if you will, and sharing cultures with each other and finding out what you have in common and what you can learn from each other, I think is really cool. And so why do we have to have so specific boxes and so few of them mm-hmm. oh i totally agree i mean i've been seeing more often a spot for multiracial which i think is interesting oh yeah on like i don't know maybe where was i maybe at like the doctor's office or something okay because i used to just check multiples i would too <laughs> i did too absolutely because my mostly because my father told me you know, if you tell them you're Hispanic, you might get more scholarship opportunities. <laughs> Dad! I had the, uh, actually had my, um, one of my high school, like, counselors tell me, hey, you might not want to put yourself as Asian on your applications. Really? And I was like, what, girl, why? Why? She said, well, your grades suck. And I was like, oh, I see. So if I put that I'm Asian, my grades are bad, I'm applying for colleges. 
And I mean, let's be real. Colleges do look at race yeah. when they're, I mean, that's, there's a whole thing with Harvard right now, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Going on about how they do their ratios and everything. Right, right. But you're right. Yeah, scholarships, you know, I couldn't, I probably wouldn't have been able to compete in a scholarship if I'd put myself as Asian, which is terrible. Which, yeah. Like an is. academic one, right? Right. <laughs> so it's, uh, and I, I know a lot of my friends and a lot of my peers have had to do similar things. Mm-hmm. My sister did the same thing on her applications. Right. And it's kind of a shame because it's like, then we're not representing our full selves. Right, right, right. Which, and that's the thing I have about people wanting to put you in one particular box. Because that, that one little box doesn't represent all of who I am. Um, and I'm sure, like, in the grand scheme of things, everybody feels this way a little bit. Like, that that one thing is not all of who I am. And I get that. You know, there are lots of... Especially in this country, everyone has ancestors from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Everyone... Let's say it again for the people in the back. Everyone has ancestors from somewhere else. <laughs> Unless you are, you know, native people's... yeah. You're immigrants. We all are. Um, which I think is, you know, what makes, what d- honestly makes this country what it is, what it makes it great, is all of the different people that come and work so hard. Absolutely. Um, so if we're, you know, frustrated with all of the this crazy shit that people say and people tell us and the boxes that people try to put us in, what, what... When people make you feel disconnected, because I know that that makes me feel disconnected from my cultural identity. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get into the food. So when you feel that disconnect, what what is your food that you like to, that makes you feel reconnected? Yeah. Like so your go-to. For me, with the Filipino food, it's always like lumpia. If I'm like sad I know I know like all these different spots in Chicago where I can go get fresh lumpia that I can mm. put in my face immediately yes you know? so I, I know what that is but explain yes yeah, so in case there are um, people listening that don't know lumpia or lumpia Shanghai uh, not from Shanghai that's just it's kind just... of a name that we gave it mm-hmm. um, but it's basically like a, a, a meaty egg roll mm. <laughs> so it's that thin egg roll wrapper paper you've got you know usually sometimes pork or chicken kind of depends you know some diced up veggies in there once again depends on on what your grandma makes my grandma always put in some carrots a little onion mm. you mix it together by hand yes make a huge huge bowl of it and then you like sit down and Everybody has to help out with wrapping with rolling it, and rolling them. And I was never good enough at wrapping. <laughs> but according to my grandma, my mom was like a little less intense well, about it. Yeah. Grandmas <laughs> are a bit perfectionist when yeah. it comes to things. You Mine know? were always lumpy and like <laughs> strange and yeah. But they did they taste right. good? They tasted I mean, so good. That's really all that matters, right? Actually, when I was little, all I wanted to eat was just the wrapper stuff. Because it's crispy. Because it's so crispy. <laughs> so my grandma would, like, fry sheets of it for me. Uh, and then, like, just be munching on those. That's awesome. Like, chips. That's awesome. <laughs> I always loved the, um, 
so I know both of both of us grew up with a lot of rice. Oh yes, rice is sort of a, a staple for all the cultures that we represent right here in this room. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of a lot, actually, when you think about it. <laughs> um, yeah. So we, I, I never used a rice cooker. Like rice cookers were not something that we used. I know that you talked about like the other night when we met up, you talked about like having multiple rice cookers in your house. Like that was just a thing. Yeah. We uh, don't use rice cookers. I, I don't know why. I don't know if it's that, you know, my father grew up quite poor. You know, you had a pot and you had rice, but having a special thing just for rice was not a thing, if that makes sense. See, like, I didn't even know you could cook rice not in a rice cooker. I know a lot of people like that. I've met, (laughs) no, I've met a lot of people over my years that are like, wait, you just, you just cooked your rice in a pot? Well, yeah, how do you cook your rice? In a rice cooker? And, you know, this whole, like, weird... I've never used it. I have now, but, you know, the first time I had this conversation, I was like, I don't even know what a rice cooker looks like. I've never used one. Oh, man. And I still don't have one. My sister has one, and she loves it. And it's, you know, she has a kid, so busy moms need that, you know. Oh, yeah. She puts the rice in the rice cooker, and she puts other stuff in the Instant Pot, and in half an hour, she's got dinner, you know, good to go. For sure. Um, But I always loved, when cooking the rice, if you let it accidentally go just a little long, and you get those crispy Crispy bits on the bottom, the crispy bits are the best. You can get those in, like, the old school rice cookers that, like, weren't nonstick. Oh, really? You would get that, too. And I would always scrape it out of the bottom. And The crispy bits were the best. And my mom and I used to fight for them because we both <laughs> loved them so much. And then it was years later that we found out, is it, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, is it Chinese culture that that's the crispy bits or, like, whoever gets that, is that's, like, good luck? Oh, I don't know. We heard Probably. that somewhere, and we were like, oh, man, now I really want the crispy bits. That's like, awesome. It's just, like, we didn't even know that. We just liked them so much. But I, I will say that, like, my number one comfort food has always been rice. Yes. And it doesn't even have to, like, have much with it. Oh, a bowl of plain white rice that's, like, cooked just right is, like, almost more delicious to me than any other food. Than anything. Than anything. If I'm having a really, really shitty week... Like, I will just, or I'm so busy and I'm so exhausted I can't think straight. Yeah. I'll just make myself some rice. And I, I will put I will put butter on it because my mom did when Wait, I was a kid. You put butter on it? I put butter on I it. I put rice vinegar in mine. Ooh, that'd be good too. Make like some little, like, random sushi yeah, rice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I used to do um, soy sauce, but I can't mm. have soy now. That's so true. sometimes I'll do like coconut aminos, which is like soy sauce. Yeah. Um, but when I was little... My mom would put butter on it and sometimes cheese, like Parmesan cheese. That sounds like kind of weird to me, but I bet I would adore that. It's really good. I might good. try to make that. It's really good. Just like a pat of butter. Just, and then... yeah. And you melt it and then you mix it all in the rice. Mm. And yeah. And sometimes as I got older, then she would put garlic in it. So like rice, garlicky rice with... Garlicky fried rice is like... Butter and Parmesan cheese. So it was kind of like an Italian thing. Ooh. So my father is one quarter Italian. So there's a little bit of that, just a hair of that influence. Mm -hmm. And so my mom would make this rice when she was feeling shitty and it sort of passed down to us. But I mean, just the carb with the butter and the cheese, sometimes she would turn it into almost like a risotto dish. So she would do like, um, she'd add peas and chopped up chicken or something, but it always had lots of Parmesan cheese and lots of garlic. 
That sounds amazing. And that's like, that is comfort food to me. Absolutely. And it's not even like necessarily a Venezuelan thing. It's just rice is, as my my boss is from Louisiana and his favorite phrase is because rice is nice. It just is. Was rice that is an just awesome. ad for like a rice company back in the day? I feel like I've seen that. It might have been because every time Louisiana, every time he says it, he's like, "Cause you know, we folk in Louisiana, we all say rice is nice." I heard like, oh, that for sure that? down there. Well, I, w- I went to college in New Orleans. Oh, that's right. For all the people who don't know that, so maybe it, it is just a maybe Louisiana it's a thing. thing. Rice is nice. Rice is nice. It really is. Uh, I don't understand people who don't love rice. So rice story, my. Yeah. We were on a choir tour with the children's choir I was in back in the day. Mm -hmm. And my mom was along as a chaperone. And we were going through the Czech Republic and Hungary. Wow. And my mom was, like, having what we now call rice withdrawal. Oh, no. (laughs) Where she was just like, where is a Chinese restaurant? I I just need need rice. rice. Like, just plain short green <laughs> calrose rice oh my god and i remember we searched and searched and this is like pre smartphone right pre like even i mean cell phones we barely had them at that <laughs> point so like she go ask oh, everybody and we went into this random tourist shop in a tiny town in the middle of the czech republic and the people who owned the store were Chinese and my mom begged this lady do you have any rice and the lady goes into her apartment behind the store and comes out with a bowl of rice for my mom oh my gosh like rice that's amazing and I've never seen her so happy (laughs) oh I bet if you're yeah eating rice that's that's hilarious but I can't like trying to imagine my dad not having rice for a long period of time like, I don't, I think he would be the same way. Yeah. Like, it's just, you know, he grew up where you would eat. And even when I was a kid, we had rice and beans at least once a week, if not multiple times a week. Because um, it's easy, it's cheap, it's nutritious. Yeah. You know, he still maintains that rice and beans are the world's most perfect food. Besides bananas. But rice and beans, like, that is like, you can get everything you need in, in, in a plate of rice and beans. And in Venezuela, it's black beans mm-hmm. that are, you know, cooked a certain way and seasoned a certain way. But, um, yeah, that was definitely at least once a week, twice a week food. Mom would make a giant pot of black beans simmered, like, all day on a Saturday with a big ham hock in it. Because those were pretty cheap to get when I was Yum. a kid. And then rice. And that's that was, that was meals for days, yeah. you know. My dad would make chili rice. Chili rice. So it's just canned chili on rice on white rice it's kind of a staple in hawaii okay and cheese and okay all right i I get it i see it i see it because we would take that canned chili and put it on hot dogs (laughs) because my well my mom spent like her later teen i i first lived in michigan Mm -hmm. um but my parents got married in michigan my mom was a teenager in michigan so you know her sort of formative growing up years were in Michigan and in Detroit, coney dogs are a thing. And a coney dog is a, a hot dog with chili and oh. onions and cheese. It's a thing. And we, so we would dog. have we would have coney dog night at home every now and then. And that's what it was. She would buy the the canned chili and put it on top of our hot dogs and then we could yeah. we'd have like a little bar. You know, you could put your own cheese and put your own onions and that was so I guess like we had our Venezuelan nights, but we also had like 
you know, regional Americana kind of nights. Yeah. You know, yeah. which is interesting. But people always, I remember friends thinking that it was like weird that I would eat black beans and rice for dinner. Like, that's really, that's your dinner? Oh, man. Well, but yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's filling. Right? Especially once we moved, once we moved to Iowa. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, I was like nine, I think. Um, and that, you know, that's, that's pig country. That's pork chop country. So for me to say, oh, we had black beans and rice for dinner last night. Well, where's Where's your your pork chop? Yeah. Right. Meat and potatoes. Right. 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 So that was really strange to a lot of my friends. They really didn't understand. And then I started talking about arepas and everybody was like, what is that? Let me just say, (laughs) arepas are amazing. They're amazing. Angela gave me my first arepa and I gotta say, I... Need to learn how to make them. I'll teach you. It's super Good. easy. It's super easy. Well, let's so let's tasty. go into then our. Um, we wanted to talk about our top five favorite Ooh, cultural yeah. foods growing up. So we've kind of hit on a few, but mm-hmm. if you just had to list your five, so uh, the main one that like always brings me straight back to my childhood is this like Filipino chicken soup that my grandma would make. Mm-hmm. Um, so we call it a rose caldo. So okay. it's like rice, chicken. Chicken and rice soup. Yeah, yeah, rice yeah. Rice soup, yeah. And, um, like, anytime we'd be, like, sick or, like, Aww. sad or it was cold or whatever. Right. She would make it. Like, having my my grandmother, in that, like, growing up in our house was just, like, a, a wealth of food and just, like, all the amazing stuff she would make mm. and some days I think back and I'm like ah, oh, such a little brat like I didn't want to eat like you know certain things because I thought it like looked funny or whatever yeah. uh, and I'd be like no I don't want to eat that I'm going to eat hot dogs or whatever right but, but like, how much of that comes from probably the pressure of peer pressure oh of, like I, you know your friends totally telling does. you oh that's weird that's I mean not normal a lot of a lot of uh asian americans will talk about the lunchbox moment Mm -hmm. which is like oh you brought like you know whatever your noodles or something yeah to school and somebody was like oh you're eating worms or some shit you know like something really variation and stupid yeah theme and i think that was kind of like that like 90s kind of Growing up in the 90s and 80s life of just, like, mm-hmm. shitty kids. I mean, kids can Kids are always shitty. shitty. But <laughs> they were, I feel like they were extra shitty. Um, <laughs> but it's it's a weird thing to, like, now I see the same foods that I would get made fun of if I brought them to school. And they're, like, trendy. And right? they're on a BuzzFeed list. And they're oh on, you know, uh, that's, like, so They're, like, the new thing. Frustrating. The new fad. But I'm glad people like it. Because right. it's good, but those kids never wanted to try it when I would be like, no, try it, it's tasty. They're like, nah, I'm not eating worms. I'm not eating it. For me, it was, um, this sounds so weird, bologna sandwiches, which sounds bologna normal, sandwiches. right? Bologna, but, so in Venezuela, they have this thing called um, salsa rosada, which is like a pink sauce that they put on everything. They put it on mm-hmm. hot dogs, they put it on sandwiches, they put it on hamburgers, they put it on... I had an aunt put it on spaghetti once. That was a step too far. <laughs> but um, you know what? 
my Tia knows how to cook for a crowd mm-hmm. on a very small budget, and that's what she had. So, you know, she fed people. That's, yeah. what, that's what was important. But it's basically, at its most basic element, it's ketchup and mayonnaise mixed together. Oh. So I had, oh, that's awesome. I right? love doing that. So I had a Venezuelan babysitter when I was very small. I would go to, like, ha- when kindergarten was still, like, half day. Mm-hmm. And I would go to half day kindergarten, and then I would go to this babysitter's house for lunch. And she would feed me bologna sandwiches with ketchup and mayonnaise and cream of chicken soup. Ooh, cream of chicken soup. That she made from scratch. But, you know, years later, my... Sometimes my comfort food would be bologna sandwiches with cream of chicken soup out of a can, you know. But, like, that moment that I went to school with a bologna sandwich and everybody was like, oh, you eat bologna? I'm like, yeah, I like bologna. What is on that bologna sandwich? Is that ketchup and mayonnaise? That's so weird. That's so gross. And I didn't get it. And I was like, what? It's good. Like, it's that same kind of lunchbox moment. Yeah. And you don't even think about, like, how that shapes you later for sure until you're looking back on it which yeah. i find really interesting it's so weird though because like i thought white people love ketchup and mayonnaise i, I don't know maybe <laughs> not on sandwiches <laughs> i don't think i had bologna until i was like a teenager really yeah because like i feel like i don't know if my mom just didn't buy it <laughs> but maybe. I never saw it in our house. I don't know. I mean, it was cheap, yeah. right? And so w- when I was growing up, we did live in married student housing uh, on the campus of Eastern Michigan University because my dad oh. was finishing his master's degree. So we were like so, in student housing. Oh, you were housing. the kids living on campus. We were, absolutely. And it was very much like we have a budget and we're going to buy what we can afford and mm-hmm. you're going to eat it because that's all we got. So, you know, you learn really fast to appreciate what you have. For sure. But I loved bologna sandwiches, so I had no problem with that. Yeah. I was like, feed me bologna sandwiches all day long. I'm I'm good to go. What I didn't like was pork chops, but that's a whole other story. You don't like pork chops? <laughs> I, I do now. Okay. But I think, Mom, if you're listening to this, I love you. <laughs> We've had this discussion already, but she just didn't know how to cook them. Oh. Uh, well, and so they were really, like, important. tough. You yeah. know, like, like shoe leathery oh no i love you mom um we love you mom <laughs> um i guess let's see what are some other foods okay so filipino spaghetti okay what is filipino spaghetti it's basically like your tomato sauce with spaghetti mm-hmm. but the sauce is like sweet interesting um it's you know how did my grandma used to make it it's like kind of some ketchup in there Mm -hmm. sugar like you know ragu or whatever wow and then you chop up hot dogs throw that in there spaghetti with hot dogs so it's like spaghetti with hot dogs sweet spaghetti with hot dogs which it's one of those things i brought to school and then someone was like this isn't spaghetti i probably would have loved that (laughs) i probably would have eaten the shit out of that That, yeah yeah that sounds like something i would have eaten as a child really good do you got another one oh let's see well i already talked about black beans and rice well arepas which we briefly talked about which for those of you who are listening who don't know arepas are like a a corn cake if you will um it's made out of a refined corn flour um basically made into a patty 
griddled on both sides and put in the oven until it's cooked all the way through and then you split it open and you put whatever you want in it. Now, in Venezuela, there are, you know, traditional fillings and that sort of thing, but really, you can put whatever you want. And we, as a family, would use use it as, like, sandwich bread. So arepas were sort of a weekend thing because they took a while to make, mm-hmm. and we would make a big quantity and eat them for a couple days. And But, you know, we would just do... My sister and I just loved them with butter and cheese. That's or how I like it. ham and cheese is really good. Or my father loves tuna salad, of all things. Tuna salad, like, chock full of onions and, and celery mm-hmm. that my mom makes with, like, dill and put that in, in an arepa. He loves that. Or um, scrambled eggs that have, that are cooked with, like, green peppers and tomatoes and garlic and onions. And you cook all that together and you put that in. So it's really good brunch. Yeah. Put some cheese in there. Um or you can also put black beans and rice inside your arepa with cheese. That's called arepa domino. So because it's the colors of dominoes, oh, right? The yes. black and white. And then you put the cheese in there. I want that. That's really good, too. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't eat them as often as I used to, but I mean, at least a couple times a month I'll make a batch yeah. and it'll, I'll eat on them for a couple of days. Because cool. you can just, they're just versatile and you can... And comforting and filling, super filling. And you can put whatever you want in them, which is awesome. And I make them to feed and impress my friends. (laughs) (laughs) We were certainly impressed. Um, Oh, I have kind of one that is a little controversial, I guess. Okay. Um, Well, I guess it's kind of two. So um, Spam Mm -hmm. and Vienna sausages. (sighs) Okay. So I, I have people who are like, oh, yeah, Spam. Or it's like, what in the fuck are you thinking eating Spam? I love Spam. I mean, I, I, I will put this out there. I will not eat Spam with you. <laughs> but I will not judge you for your choice to eat Spam. It's a thing. People like it. If you enjoy yeah. it, then you do you, boo. It's, but It's like, so both of those things are like, they were huge in the Philippines and in Hawaii. Right, right. Um, partially because of like you know canned stuff mm-hmm. was was awesome right 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 like especially it can you sit know, in your pantry forever and it's, it takes it's cheap mm-hmm. it lasts forever and it really takes well to like the umami flavor i i see that so i, I get that it's yeah. already pretty salty right <laughs> gotta get that low sodium <laughs> um <laughs> but like just soy sauce just fry up some spam and some soy sauce okay. or some Vienna sausages, and it's just like Italian kiss motion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I'll with just, some rice. Uh, I'll let you eat the spam. Oh, oh yeah. So there's there's another uh, Hawaiian dish actually that's spam musubi. Okay. So it's kind of like spam sushi. Oh, so I got, have I have heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. got like your slab of spam, a little bit of sushi rice under there, a little seaweed around it. Sometimes people put fun stuff on it. Hmm. You know, like eggs or okay, other seasonings. Um but that's kind of like a go-to like quick lunch kind of option. Right. Or right. breakfast even. Like in Hawaii, just grab it from the deli and then mm-hmm. go. Interesting. They you have know, them everywhere there. Speaking of canned things, mm-hmm. and this is not something that I, like, I would not consider one 
this one of my personal top five, but it is definitely my dad's. And that is growing up, you were able to get, it's called Diablo something or other, but it's basically, it's like potted ham. So it's ham in a can, like processed, spreadable ham (laughs) in a can. And they eat this shit all over Venezuela. It's really cheap. It's non-perishable. You know, it comes in a can. Yeah. Just like spam. It sits on your shelf forever. It's probably got a ton of salt in it. You can eat it straight out of the can if you want. eat it straight out of the can. (laughs) They like it. Or my dad would eat it. Um, We always had some in the house growing up. I haven't seen him eat it in a long time because, honestly, I haven't seen it in a grocery store in a long time. I don't know if they're still making it even. Um, But he would put that on his arepas. That was his absolute favorite. Is if we had some of that, then that would go on his arepa before anything else. The aunt that made the um, spaghetti with the salsa rosada, mm-hmm. that had that ham in it as well. Ooh. Which is why I was like, I, I don't, I can't. Couldn't I bet, do it. You know what? <laughs> I will eat it because you made it and this is what there is to eat. <laughs> I would not choose to eat this again. <laughs> but I love you, Tia. It's fine. It's fine. Um, what number are we on? I think are we on four? We're on four. Okay. You got a fourth one? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, beef and broccoli, Mm. like Chinese style beef and broccoli. So my dad growing up in Hawaii, he, uh, I want to say it was his neighbor. It was like his neighbor or his friend's mom or somebody who he kind of like mainly learned to cook from. Mm -hmm. And he, one of the things that he always makes is this like fire beef broccoli also cashew chicken kind of on the same one mm-hmm. so yeah. those are kind of the like staple things that my dad would always cook mm-hmm. growing up and oh there's just something about it like just from the the you know kind of hole in the wall chinese yes yes like to go restaurant Ugh. just beef broccoli on um, white rice yes i i the can sauce is just i i can relate to the Chinese hole in the wall kind of place because believe it or not, Venezuelans love their Chinese food. Yeah, like whoa! Like I remember being in Venezuela and my sister and I both noticing that like on every corner there was a Chinese restaurant. That's awesome. There were more Chinese restaurants that we saw in the area that we were in than there were like areperas, which are the places that that sell arepas. Yeah, because they just love their Chinese. And my father loves Chinese food. Like, he would gladly order Chinese food once or twice a week from the little hole in the wall down the street, then make dinner. Like, I can't, unfortunately, I can't eat it anymore because, mm-hmm. you know, all the soy that they soy. use. But... We gotta make you a Amino's Ooh. version. Oh my god, yes. I'll, I'll figure that, that out for I you. Would be all you always that. cook for me. I need to try and cook for you I, every I once would, in a while. I would be your guinea pig for Yay. coconut, amino, beef, and broccoli. That sounds awesome. I'm sure it's out there. It's gotta be. Um... So my fourth one is, and this is not necessarily Venezuelan, but my, like I said, my dad is a quarter Italian. And some one day, mom was off to work and, and us kids, and this was like a weird, like a Saturday or something, my mom had to go do something for work. And so dad was in charge. And we were like, okay, well, what are we going to eat, dad? Because as far as we knew, dad didn't really cook except arepas. Mm-hmm. He whips up this friggin' chicken cacciatore from scratch <laughs> and serves it with white rice. 
Not noodles, white rice. Oh. So it was like, you know, the, the tomato-y with carrots and bell peppers and all that goodness. And the chicken was cooked in there. And he made it from scratch. And then he served it on top of white rice because rice is nice. Rice is and, nice. And we were like, who are you? Where did this... How did you... You can't <laughs> cook. And he was like, I can too. Yeah. And it chicken cacciatore of all things. We found out later that my father has an arsenal of like five or six dishes that he can make. Probably because my abuela taught him before he left Venezuela when he was 17. Like, right. you need to learn how to take care of yourself. So this is how you feed yourself. This is how you sew on a button. This is how you iron a shirt. This is how you do your laundry. Like, life basics, right? To this day, he still does all his own ironing because my mom always told him she wasn't going to do it, <laughs> which is legit. Um, yeah. But yeah, that chicken cacciatore. And I don't I don't make it that often, and he doesn't make it that often anymore either, but it's one of those memory things, you know? Yeah. So good. Oh, man. Got one more? Yeah. All right. So um, I've been, like, racking my brain, like, what, what do I get to pick for my fifth one? There's so many foods. Oh, man. <laughs> and... Uh, it's not necessarily like a uh, cultural food or anything, but it's um, <clears throat> Hawaiian pizza. Hawaiian pizza. <laughs> so like the kind with the pineapple and the ham bits and all of that. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not opposed. I mean, I, see, that's another food people have like fought with me about, and I'm like, no, it's so good. Really? I mean, my my mom will say that she ate a ton of Hawaiian pizza when she was pregnant with me, and that's why I'm like obsessed with it. Oh. But um, I don't know if that's real. There's no science to back that. Well, I, there might be science. I, there might I don't be. know. I haven't done any studies or research on my own. But um, sh- my dad was uh, a part-time delivery guy for Domino's back oh. when, back in the <laughs> 80s. And uh, so <laughs> he brought home all the pizzas that were like left over. We lived down the street from the first Domino's. Stop it. Yeah, because the first Domino's pizza was in Ypsilanti, Michigan, which is where Eastern Michigan University is. Look at that. Like, I've been to that Domino's pizza. It's still just a little, you know, tiny little shop Domino's pizza. It's nothing special. Because the guy that owned it, ran it, moved out to, like, this giant farm just outside of Ypsilanti. But, um, yeah, Domino's pizza. Hawaiian pizza. Hawaiian I stand firm. Good. Hawaiian pizza. I, you know, I will stand with Pineapple you. Pineapple belongs on pizza. Pineapple's delicious on pizza. Sweet and savory. Yes. Sweet I and am, salty. I am all to about the max. sweet and salty. Yes. <laughs> yes. I will stand with you, my friend. <laughs> What's um, your last one? My last one. What have we covered? Probably, and it's only recently that I figured out how to make it on my own. We call it uh, carne mechada, which is basically like... It's like Cuban ropa vieja. So it's like shredded oh. beef, right? So if you go to, say, Biemesabe, that Venezuelan restaurant um, in Ravenswood, mm-hmm. and you get, they, they have, like, you can get, like, the national dish of Venezuela, which is arepas, black beans and rice, which we call caraotas, and then um, carne mechada and plantains. That's all. That's the national dish, Ooh. all in one dish, right? Plantains. They have figured out how to shove all of that into an empanada, which makes me really happy. An empanada as big as your face. All of that stuff I is would in eat there. That. So with cheese, all of that. Oh, so good. But the so shredded the shredded beef was something that like my mom could make it, my dad could make it, but it's like it was a long process because you have to cook the beef, 
mm-hmm. so long in order for the connective tissues to break down so it will shred and be soft. Well, now I have an instant pot. And I can, my, my sister found a recipe and we both tweaked it together until it tasted just right. And now I can awesome. make my own carne machada in like an hour. Ooh. Instead of like all I day. I need one of those things. Hey, instant pot. Get hey, on that scholarship. Pot. Instant pot. Scholarship? That's not what it's called for a podcast. <laughs> Sponsorship. Sponsorship. Sponsor us, Instant Pot. Please, please. <laughs> I will talk about Instant Pot on every single podcast because I love it that much. <laughs> I'm going to be the next Michelle Tam. If you don't All know right. who that is, uh, look up Nom Nom Paleo. She's kind of awesome, and she's oh, yeah. she sort of spearheaded this this obsession with the Instant Pot right now. Awesome. Um, but she's she's really great. Um, yeah, so I think we've gotten to our f- top five foods, which is awesome. Um, so let's get a little bit into... We've got a little bit of time left, about 10, 15 minutes. All right. So let's talk a little bit about... You know, we talked about the difficulties of being, like, stuck in this weird, like, in-between place. Mm-hmm. What if if you flipped it around and considered it, like, your superpower? Ooh. What if, like... Let's talk about that. Let's talk about, like, how... Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Like, people expecting you to be an ambassador for a specific culture. How do we feel about that? I think it always depends on like how you're approached about it right yeah because there's there's two ways to ask the question of you know what are you right versus i'm a human being what are you yeah exactly versus <laughs> you know there's like a thousand better ways to ask that question yeah yeah and i think that applies um to, to your question of like what how do you how do you take that and make it something positive, something good? And I think in a lot of ways, like I've gotten to share so many parts of my culture, especially recently. Um, so my Filipino culture, something that I grew up with ever, like super present in my house. Like mm. my grandparents lived with us growing up. My mom would speak Tagalog to them, mm-hmm. but they'd speak a different dialect back to her so um i know a lot of people might not know this but in the philippines there's over a thousand islands i do know that but only because i listen to um i'm blanking on her name oh my god i feel like such a jerk natalia rojas natalia rojas yes yes Um, on the scopy on the scopy scopy podcast because she mentioned multiple times the many thousands of islands depends on the tide depends on the tide such a good episode was fascinating i had no idea yeah so and with those thousands of islands you've got all these different tribes all these different Mm -hmm. peoples that all spoke different languages and still do there's hundreds of different dialects being spoken right now Mm -hmm. in the philippines and so like you know, some people are like, oh, but didn't you live with your grandparents? Like, why why didn't you pick it up? And I'm like, because there are two languages being spoken to each other. Right, right. You <laughs> so I pick, pick up on up. some things and yeah. other things I'd be confused because, you know, I run into someone who's from, whose family is a different dialect mm-hmm. again. And mm-hmm. they'd be like, that's not what that means. Right. Which, 
I, I mean, I was lucky growing up to have a very diverse school that I went to. I went to a Catholic school, small classes, like 30 kids each class. Mm-hmm. But I mean, by the time I graduated, the school was like almost half Filipino. Wow. You know, um, so like we got to have a lot of like, you know, cultural food festivals. And I grew up doing Filipino theater, musical theater and That's cultural so cool. dancing and like dancing to Nickling. You might have seen like video of like there's these long bamboo poles and they're smacking them on the ground. Yeah, actually. Yeah. So uh, when we were in Iowa, um, we were in Iowa from I was nine years old and I lived there up until my first college degree. I, mm-hmm. I've been to many colleges. We'll talk about that on another episode. Um, <laughs> but I went to the University of Iowa first. Uh-huh. And that whole time, my father, um, he was working what we call in the industry in physics. Um, but then he got a job at University of Iowa and became part of this international group. And every year, I, I hope they still do this, but every year at the big field house in on campus they would throw a weekend-long international festival. And so countries... Because countries from all over the world are represented at universities like University of Iowa, University yeah. of Michigan, you know, these Big Ten universities. People come from all over the world to study there, to do research and whatnot. And so, you know, all these countries are represented, and this was a way to bring them all together. And I did see that, yeah. that kind of... Uh, you know, being younger, I didn't really understand... I didn't know anything about the Philippines for except sure. for what I saw. But there was always like talent portions where you could present a little bit of, you know, dance or song and there were food booths and there were just like little booths where you could just go and get information like mm-hmm. about the country. Um, and then there was a, at the end of the weekend, there was a fashion show and it was groups Ooh. representing all these countries that would come in in alphabetical order, which meant that Venezuela was always wow. last. <laughs> Which is fine because we always happen to be the biggest group and we turned it into like a way to like bring in song and dance as well. So we would come in and my father was part of it and then he brought my sister and I into it. We had traditional dress and we would come in singing and dancing, basically like traditional dances of the plains of Venezuela and they would be singing and yeah, it was a great time. But we got to see a lot of really, really interesting um, representation from all the Asian countries. Yeah. Including the Philippines. Cool. Which is very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So I feel like when it when it's that kind of vibe, then I don't mind being like an ambassador. Granted, I don't speak for all of my people. I don't of speak course. for all Filipinos or all black people or all right. mixed people. But there's definitely spaces where it feels good to be that mm-hmm. kind of like... Yes, I will happily tell, like, you know, have a conversation like we are right now. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, there's no, like, no, like, ill no, behind right. anything right. here. Yeah. But I've also been in situations where there is, you know, like, mm-hmm. that opposite kind. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, try to avoid that as much as we can, right? right. But it happens. And I, unfortunately, I can say that I, because I am white passing, doesn't happen to me as often as it probably happens to you. Those unfortunate incidents and situations, <laughs> um, you know, just the occasional people hearing that I'm Hispanic and going, what? 
and being confused. Yeah. But I, because I don't look it. Um, I mean, if you were to hold up a picture of, you know, my family in Venezuela next to me, then you would see that I do look it. But yeah. it's just, people associate being Hispanic with being brown. But I mean, that's discounts just so many so other much. people. And that's not even getting into like Afro Hispanic. Exactly. And exactly. All of and that. I, I do have an aunt who is yeah of African descent. She is black. She's freaking gorgeous. But, you know, <laughs> like it just there it's such a melting pot that to just assume that somebody is one thing, you know, like those boxes that we talked about earlier. But yeah. I I like when I'm able to share something with people and and it seems like at first they're a little surprised. Like, oh, 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 you're Hispanic. Oh, you're Venezuelan? Wow, okay. Did you grow up there? Well, n- no, I didn't, but this is what I can share with you. And then I, generally it's the food. Yeah. And that's when I feel like I'm a, I'm a good ambassador because I know that Venezuelan people are very proud of their culture incredibly proud of their culture which is why my parents house is covered with like venezuelan knickknacks all over the walls my sister's house is my house is like my apartment is um it's 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 there's so much like life and art in their culture and it shows up in the music and the food and those are the two things that i'm the most passionate about anyway so i mean so like the thing about filipino food to me that is so amazing is that it's so like group slash like family oriented right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you got i mean big old lechon right we're gonna make a whole roast pig we're oh gonna God, serve yes. it to everybody like the biggest memory growing up of like feeling so like grounded in my like filipino-ness mm-hmm. was like every time we went to a filipino party and nice. there'd be just like trays of pancit, like mm-hmm. everything, barbecue as far as you can see, you know, just standing, <laughs> all the kids like standing there just like eating this meat <laughs> off of the skewers, like not even using plates, like all the aunties like yelling at us. Like, Use a plate. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. sounds awesome. Just like the, the family aspect, I think. And I think that's really strong in Latin cultures, too. It is, definitely. I mean, well, Filipinos, you know, we're colonized by the same it's people. True. You it's know, true. We got that connection. We do. That's so <laughs> interesting that, that you put it that way, mm-hmm. that we were colonized by the same people, as opposed to, like, the Hispanics. I mean, Hispanics from Spain colonized both of where, you know, both of our countries. So, yeah. Because oftentimes people see it as like, oh, well, the Latin Latin peoples colonized the Philippines. But it, it wasn't. It was the Hispanic people. So yeah. the Hispanic people colonized us, too. But so did the Germans and the Dutch. Right. And, then, and then there were the Moors. So, oh. yeah. So we have, you know, Venezuela has a very interesting mix in that shows up in the food and the music. And, um, I mean, I do... I do have fond memories of, like, parties growing up. Um, There have been some instances where, like, my sister and I didn't always quite fit in with the other Venezuelan kids. Mm -hmm. You know, they all spoke fluent Spanish. 
Um, they would all hang out together. We were never really part of that. And they usually didn't hang out at the party. They would like take off and leave and go do something else. And my sister and I always stayed with my parents because family, right? So these other kids, I think sometimes may have become more Americanized, if you will, in that sense than Mm -hmm. we were. So even though I know that, you know, my mom being the white person was given some grief about my sister and I not being Venezuelan enough. Honestly, mm-hmm. we both think that's bullshit. Yeah. Because the, 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 the most important aspects of the culture are the ones that m- form who we are as women. So yeah. the family aspect, the food, and the music. My sister is a professional dancer. She now teaches Zumba, but she married a dancer. Because she was a dancer and met him through dance, right? Yeah. Because the dance, it, it's it's something my father taught us when, before we could walk. It's in our blood. Dancing is just, it's a thing that you do. You go to a party and you dance. Going to yeah. a party and not dancing is like sacrilege <laughs> to me. I know it happens, but it's weird to me. Yeah. So, um, and, and the food that we grew up with. So New Year's is always a big deal for us because we go, we congregate with my parents we go to a big Venezuelan party, but it's it's us. It's the family together mm-hmm. for the most important holiday that, for us anyway. And we spend the entire night dancing and drinking and eating and eating and eating and eating all the food. It's just like you described, you know, big long tables of food. Sometimes you don't even use a plate. You just shove it in your face. But in our, <laughs> in our case, it's like everybody's dressed to the nines. So yeah. for New Year's, you actually... Sometimes you buy a new dress, you get your hair done, you get your nails done, you, you buy new jewelry, like, it's a big deal. And you, everybody shows up at around 10, and everybody brings a champagne, a bottle of champagne, and, you know, you nibble, and you, you chat, whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for a couple of hours, and then midnight hits, everybody kisses everybody, <laughs> and then the party starts. Yes. And, but before the party actually starts, there's a, basically a sit-down meal. So this is when you eat your your big, big meal, which sounds weird at midnight to be eating a big meal, but that's what, you know, it's a thing. So we have all this food and then we get up and we drink and dance until five or six in the morning. And that's, that's a thing, but you got to be with your family. Yeah. That's probably the most important thing, which I think a lot of, a lot of my friends never really got like that whole family mm-hmm. thing, that whole why, why that was so important. I'm sure as a teenager, I, I mean, I didn't get it either. I was... Oh, I didn't get it. I was like, why are we all going to Costco? All of us? All of us together. Why do we all need to be there to go to Target? <laughs> like... Well, and let's... That's sort of the last thing we wanted to talk about is, like, things that are culturally different for us because we grew up with these... Even though we grew up in the United States, in you know, in an American culture, we also grew up with these other strong influences that are different from... You know, I grew up in Iowa. I was the only Hispanic person in the entire school. So no one got it when I was like, no, I have to be home on Saturday. Like, I can't spend the day with you. Nobody got it. Well, why? Well, because Saturday's when we clean. That's a thing, right? So going everywhere with your family, doing everything with your family, if there's a choice to be made, the family comes first. And that's just kind of the way it is. Um, Saturday morning cleaning, 
You mentioned the other day um, having the multiple rice cookers, which we talked about <laughs> earlier in the episode. Yeah, because there's different numbers of people, you know. You can't always be using the 10 cup rice cooker. It's right. huge. You it's don't obnoxious. You got to have like a five cup. And... and how many friends did you have that were not Filipino that just were like, why do you have so many rice cookers? <laughs> yeah. Well, we had like the old faithful rice cooker, which is the one that like my mom bought. Right. Like before I was born, <laughs> that one was like the staple. And then we had the huge, huge one for parties. Of course. Which is like, I think it's like a 13 or 15 cup. I don't oh know. Oh my God. Huge one. And then there was like the little baby one that. If you just want a little. If you it's just a want rice. a little bit. Because <laughs> we don't know how to cook it in a pot. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, we had too many pots too. <laughs> Hi, mom. I love you. <laughs> Get rid of um, some pots, mom. <laughs> too many pots, mom. Um, I think the other thing that we were talking about the other night were like cultural snacks, Ooh. like the snacks that you, like you go home after school and you eat a snack. What would it be that most of your friends would be like? What is that? Uh, so there's cornic. It's like baked, fried. I'm not sure. Corn. Oh. kernels uh, okay. usually with like some kind of flavor uh, adobo flavor sometimes garlic uh, flavor like corn nuts like corn nuts yeah exactly but like not as not as involved as that okay not as many crazy it's not like cool ranch it's right, just right, right. like straight it's up garlic like, okay okay i could be i could be down with that i, I love that. i love i can go through bags I mean, again, growing up in iowa corn nuts was kind of a thing that yeah my sister oh, and i sure. both developed a taste for Corn nuts is travel food for us. Mm-hmm. You got to get in a car for a long time. You better better get some corn nuts. Yeah, it doesn't even matter what flavor they are. They could even just be plain with salt, but you got to have some corn nuts. It's a yeah. thing. I, I don't know why. That's not even a cultural thing. That's just a thing. What's another one? Ooh, uh, <laughs> another controversial food: pork rinds dipped in vinegar. Okay, you had me until the vinegar. <laughs> uh, so Filipino food has a lot of vinegar going okay. on that makes sense though that's I kind mean, of the like staple of the flavor we were in the last episode we were talking with ian a lot about um acid and what acid yeah. does on the tongue and and why it's used so much in cuisine as well as cocktails and that actually makes a lot of sense because it balances the fat in the pork rinds and we do and everything is pork and fatty pork so mm. like you know you got you gotta use that vinegar. Yeah, that makes. Uh, I, I love it. just dipping that, and usually at my house there's always rice wine vinegar. Okay, I'm not sure why, or just plain white vinegar. Oh. But yeah, dip it, dip it. <laughs> Get you some pork rinds, dip it in vinegar. Pork rinds are awesome. I do love. Pork <laughs> I love rinds. pork rinds. I shouldn't, but I do. <laughs> my mother loves pork rinds too. Love you, mom. <laughs> Del- d- divulging all your secrets here. Um, so the snack that we had a lot growing up was, so in Venezuela, there's this cheese that I absolutely adore called, uh, they call it queso de año. And it's like a, like kind of a hard cheese. Año? Like year? Like year. Like yeah. cheese of the year? It like, like, like it's aged for a year. Oh, okay. So it's not a fresh cheese, but it's not like a hard, hard Parmesan kind of cheese. Okay. But it is a harder cheese. And it's sometimes it comes in a block and is like wet on the outside, like feta. Mm, mm-hmm. And it's really salty, like feta. Ooh. 
but it's not quite feta. Like, it's really hard to describe because the, the, the way that it's made, the U.S. has, you know, such strict guidelines as to how cheeses are made that you can't really find anything close. Mm-hmm. The closest thing I have found here in Chicago is a um, Salvadorian cheese. Which is cool. like a sort of a hard, salty cheese. But we would take, um, Dad would buy saltine crackers and guava paste. I love guava right? paste. And, and that comes in a big old can, right? Yeah. So you just slice a piece of that off, you put it on your saltine cracker, and then you put a piece of this salty cheese on top. And that was like snack. Ooh. I haven't done it in a really long time because I realized that like guava paste is pure sugar and I probably didn't need that much sugar. And I live alone, so a whole can of guava paste would like... Yeah, I, I don't need to be eating all that. <laughs> but that was probably our, like, that was our main snack. And if my sister yeah. and I are together and we're with the whole family, the chances are we, once in a while, we will do it. We'll buy a can of guava paste because then we can all share it. And it's just, like, takes me right back. But all of my friends, of course, were like, I don't understand. What's a guava? You know? <laughs> it was that kind of thing. But that was definitely... That was the cultural snack that, you know, nobody else got, but it was probably my favorite. Yeah. Awesome. So I feel like we've really, like, dug into a lot of stuff here. Um, I just have one short little segment that I want to end with, um, that I end all my episodes with, and that is what's in your pie hole, Amanda? (laughs) Like, like today or like what? Like, like lately, like right now, you know, people go through phases of, I'm really into this right now. Uh-huh. You know, like you find yourself eating like one week. I may be really into nachos and I'll eat nachos like four times that week. I had um, eggs bennies like three times this week mm. in the last like seven days. I've at had egg, different places at different places and different kinds. I had a, um, a, a smoked salmon eggs benny. Ooh. I had uh, what did I have yesterday? Oh, um. What was it? I didn't get the crab one. The other person got that. Oh, I had a steak Benny. Oh, yum. And then I had like a regular old Benny. Nice. And it was, I'm all about those leaky eggs. The runny eggs. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. I get it. I soft boiled eggs. I haven't had eggs Benedict in a really long time since I had to go gluten free. But Mm -hmm. then I discovered a few months back. Gosh, it was almost a year ago now. Um, my friend Lisa and I discovered Tweet Let's Eat, that restaurant. So good. And I don't know why we hadn't been there before, so but good. the fact that they have an entire gluten-free menu made me so happy. I haven't been back since just because I, it hasn't timed up well for me, but I am going back because that was Eggs Benedict that blew my mind. I haven't been there in a minute. I'll go with you. Yeah, we should go. We'll, <laughs> we'll plan a date because that was really good. But... Um, Needless to say, that is not what's in my pie hole right now. I've been really into toast and jam, which sounds <laughs> super simple, but like it's jam season mm-hmm. in, in my, my employment uh, in the summertime. What I do is I make jam hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of jars of jam and we sell it. So you would think at some point I would be sick of jam, but I'm really not. It's really the not. best jam, y'all. Oh, thanks. But I took some, uh, I had a little bit from a batch that it wasn't quite enough to fit in a jar. So I took it home, mm-hmm. a blueberry lavender. So that's been my thing lately, just gluten-free toast, butter, 
blueberry lavender jam. Let me say that that strawberry lavender that I got was freaking tits delicious. <laughs> like, <laughs> so good. I put butter under it. Yes. And then the other day, I mixed it into my cereal. Okay. And made like strawberry lavender milk. Yes. And it was like amazing at the at the shop we make little um yogurt parfait cups Mm -hmm. so we put basically we puree the jam so there aren't any chunks and we put it in the bottom of a cup and then we put greek yogurt on top and then we serve it with with granola i know where i'm gonna get breakfast before i work on wednesday yeah you are yeah you are (laughs) um yeah so i think that that is all for today well, thank you for having me, Angela. Oh my God, thank you so much for being here. That's it for today. For more content, check out hearthandsoulblog.com, Hearth and Soul Blog on Instagram, and Hearth and Soul on Facebook. And if you like what you heard today, please go to iTunes or Google Play or Radio Public and subscribe, rate, and review. Please review. That's how we get out to all the other people who may not have stumbled upon us yet. Hearth and Soul is produced by Scopy Magazine. Head over to scopymag.com to check out literally all the things, podcasts, articles, videos, and more to come. And thanks for listening.